0: Hello ladies and gents, Uh, welcome once again to another episode of GSC's Rude Mechanicals where we get to have a chat with the artists, the magicians behind the shows, the people that bring them all to life, the directors, designers, uh, choreographers, stage managers and today we are very lucky because we're having a little chat with our audio describer um, Kerry Elkins. Hi Kerry. Hi. How are you doing? I am
1: Right, thank you on this lovely sunny
0: day. Be beautiful, you. isn't it? Um now you have described how many shows for us? Uh, now? 20 in total. Twenty so shows! Uh 20. going right back to was the first one Richard the Third? Richard
1: the pl- Third was definitely the first. I
0: think that was 2012. It was 2012 in the Holy yeah, Trinity Church. Go. Now we should explain that audio describing this is for people who are visually impaired who come to watch the live show um but they can't see it because either they may be blind or they're visually impaired some in some way and you tell them what's happening on stage that's 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 the rubbishy way of me explaining it you will be much more eloquent uh, at telling us what is audio describing Absolutely, I
1: will give it a go. Um, So it's kind of translating the visual elements of any given production into an audio version so that all the visual aspects are captured and rendered in spoken words so that, as you say, people who have visual impairment, people who are blind, um, can Access all that visual information that the directors, the designers, the lighters put into any given show, um, and they listen to me and, yeah, as they sit in the auditorium with everybody else, and they have a little headset on, and I whisper cunningly in their ear and tell them all the aspects that they can't access for themselves.
0: So what? So what sort of things could could those could those be? What 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 are the things that you're describing? Exactly. Absolutely.
1: Well, at the the sort of big picture end of things, I describe the nature of the set, and the nature of the costumes, and the physical characteristics of the actors and performers themselves, and that will include anything that is as big as, for example, an era thematically that a director has decided to assign to any particular production so it might be set in the 1970s for example and that gives my audience a sense of the the kind of style of it visually and then i get into the minutiae of, of the style of it and and describe the floor, the wallpaper, the furniture, the items of clothing, the colour schemes, the way the light falls, that when darkness falls, because the absence of light is is just as interesting. So anything that appears visually, I am attempting to capture,
0: and that could be the same for. So for example, uh, you know, you all of a sudden an actor may may go here, take this, and then or, or what you hear is a like, ow, and of course to a, <laughs> to someone who can't see, what on earth is happening? Yeah. So Absolutely. So it's the actions as well as what?
1: Very much so. So um, the, the example I often give when I'm um, telling people about audio description is the gunshot. Um, doesn't happen quite so much in Shakespeare as it might in, in other versions of theatre, but a gunshot for a sighted member of the audience is, is instantly explained. They know who fired the gun They know whether the shot hit anyone or anything or whether it missed completely. They know if it did hit someone, they know whether that person is killed by the gunshot or wounded or grazed or uh, completely fine. They know whether everybody else watching that happen is surprised that it happened or whether they were expecting it. Um, Whether the person meant to fire the gun or not or whether it went off by accident. All of that information for a sighted person is instantly available in in the moment. It takes a blink of an eye to be aware of all of those things. And the things that tell us that are people's facial expressions, people's body language, the way they behave, gasps, those kind of things. Um, But for an unsighted person in the audience, that's much more problematic. We know that a gunshot has been fired. We might hear a few... Um, audible reactions a gasp or something like that but the rest of the information that I just mentioned is completely unavailable to an unsighted person unless I tell them Um, and and so there's a lot of visual information that's necessary to further the plot uh, most importantly and also to communicate humor much a lot of a lot of the comedy particularly in Shakespeare can be very physical can be very Um, communicated by body language, by facial expressions, by um, falling over, getting up again, popping in and out at the wrong time. All of that stuff is, again, unavailable to an unsighted audience unless I tell them about it. So that's my job.
0: So that's your job. How did you get into it?
1: (laughs) Um, A very strange set of events, as most of these things are. Um, I have in my previous life been both an English teacher and an actor and uh, my my youngest sister um, happened to see an audio describer at work one day Um, she just randomly happened to be in a place where a rehearsal was taking place for a play and an audio describer was present doing their job and she came home from that experience and rang me up and said I've just seen a person doing this and I think you'd be amazing at it you should find out more about it so uh, I went to find out more about it, and it just so happened that literally that day, um, a company called Vocalize, who are sort of the, the main um, providers of audio description in the UK, were offering to train individuals who lived outside of London... Um, to do audio description for regional and uh, a wider theatre base, to move it from a very London-centric thing, which it was at the time, to a more dispersed and available service for the rest of the country. And so I signed up for training, got in, got it done, and have been describing ever since. It's been about 12 years now.
0: Wow. And And that's nearly... So when we met, so we should. So we we met. That was. But you'd only been doing it about te- about two years.
1: Yes, I was very. I was very new in my describing career when we first met.
0: And yes. we should. We should say that we met. Uh, you and I personally met. I was uh, an actor in Panto at Chipping Norton Theatre as a French poodle. Mm-hmm. And you were describing uh, the Panto Beauty and the Beast, and that's how we. I was indeed. Uh, and, and you were interested about doing Shakespeare. Shakespeare uh audio describing exactly um and is, that, and is that a very different i mean you know is it different is it different describing different styles of theater in the sense of so shakespeare you know uh, 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 let's say you're, you're you're describing um i don't know midsummer night's dream but then you're also going to describe you know next week um uh, abigail's party and then you're going to describe um the uh the, the uh, I can't think of anything else. Uh, but I um, don't <laughs> uh, no, no, um, know. Shakespeare and Abigail's the poem the poem. oh, it the curious the incident poem. of the dog in the nighttime. Let's say. So <laughs> yes. four. So three really very distinct, very different um, types of theatre. And is it different? Is it different for the audio describer in terms of the the skills, techniques, and bits and bobs that you need?
1: Yes, very much so. I well, I would say so. Um, as I said, when we, when we first met, I had never described any Shakespeare, and um, that was one of the reasons I was very interested to come and work with GSC and get involved, was the opportunity to work on Shakespeare, because I, as an, a, a relatively new describer at that time, perceived that the skills needed to describe Shakespeare would be a very different set of skills than to describe a, a modern piece of theatre in terms of its staging and, or a musical or something like that, mm. all of which I had done quite a lot of. Um, and so I was very keen um, to get some Sha- Shakespearean experience. And um, now I've done 20. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and I've done a few more outside of GSC as well. So it has fulfilled that requirement. But Shakespeare has some very particular... Uh, requirements because of the time of writing, the way Shakespeare writes is, of course, very different. The absence of scenery, for example, in original stagings of the play, meant that he does a great deal of saying, Ah, it's midnight. And we're in a graveyard, he tells us in the language, so he's doing a lot of my work for me, so what can I, what can I do since I don't need to say it's midnight and we're in a graveyard? What can I do instead, and that gives me lots of scope for putting more information in than perhaps I might be able to in a play where I've got to do a lot of scene setting and a lot of setting it up but there are some there are some uh, gimmicks for want of a better word that Shakespeare uses quite a lot that. I constantly have to deal with so for example a very common one is the um, gender change the the person in disguise and the person in disguise is a real uh, challenge for the audio describer because if you have a character a female character who is disguising herself as a male person for a little while the actor playing that character does not suddenly have a male voice she may may malefy her voice a little bit but essentially her voice remains the same so for an unsighted audience it is it can be easy to forget that the person is in disguise because the voice remains the Mm. same um so i need to remind my unsighted audience that this person this voice that we've understood is playing viola or whichever character it happens to be is currently not appearing as Viola herself but as a different version of that character and and in disguise so that crops up a lot also the eavesdropping thing crops up a lot um, in Shakespeare so people casually wandering in and happening to overhear a conversation or a monologue of some kind and the person who is speaking never notices or acknowledges that that person is there but we the audience need to know that they have heard it Um, because often and, and this is a common Issue. There's no space for me to jump in and say so and so has wandered in and is listening, um, because because the monologue is going on over the top of it. I can't interrupt that dialogue of the character in order to give us the information we need. So that's often quite problematic as well.
0: So yeah, I was going to say that actually because also, also <laughs> you, you're not you don't you're not speaking in one. One stream of consciousness throughout the play, mm. because otherwise the whole point is is that is that is that these patrons are having the same experience as the sighted audience, so they can hear uh-huh. the dialogue, they can hear the music, they can hear the singing, they can hear the sound effects and the soundscapes and stuff um, but it's for you choosing when to describe yes. something or explain to me, and the economy of of your description as well you yeah. can't you can 't spend sort of you know thirty seconds describing something when. Actually, we're onto another scene, and we've gone. Yes. Yeah, we've gone way past that now. Um...
1: Absolutely, yes. Particularly in modern theatre, where what, what we're often after is quite a cracking pace and trying to move things along very quickly especially in comedies um, it can be very difficult to find a breath to leap into and and I can get several syllables into just one second but sometimes even finding one second to leap into can be very difficult so it is about thinking what what do my audience most need to know Um, And then subsequent to that, what is it nice for them to know on top of that? So what they need to know is anything to do with the plot, anything that's going to further the plot for them and make sure that they can follow the narrative line. Um, Anything that's a character choice, anything that is defining how that particular character appears to the audience um, and anything that's sort of thematic then uh, uh, about the bigger picture and the decisions that the director and the designers have taken of that moment but i am whispering single words often into a little gap and then i am silent mm. for two or three minutes of dialogue and then i pop another little word in here and there just to enlighten my audience so- and people often think that that's going to be oh so and so leaves or so and so sits down and and very practical kind of things like that but actually especially in outdoor performance where it isn't mic'd and coming through speakers, the natural um, voice direction tells us quite a lot about those kind of things. You know, if if a person is live in front of you and what you're listening to is their voice, not an amplified version of their voice, you can hear them move from left to right. You can hear them stand up and sit down, in fact, just by tiny changes in the quality of the voice. So I don't need to do so much of that work again. And it, it leaves me space to do more descriptive stuff that gets the nuances of the show over, which is a thing I love. I enjoy that very much.
0: Great. So how do you, How do, I mean, how do you, pre- I mean, you do, You know, on the the day of the audio description, usually for us, it's a Saturday, the final Saturday matinee. Mm-hmm. You're not just turning up, you know, an hour before that final <laughs> performance to to describe it. What's your, give us a little bit of a window. I mean, I'm sure it's, it's very, very long and in depth, but give us a little bit of a sort of a window into your process of how you prepare your performance, um, yeah. of of the description.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I join the process when it's all when it's pretty much ready to go. Um, there's very little that I can do until the visual world of the play has been created and pretty much finalised. So. I generally join in on first night or um, po- possibly a couple of nights further into the run but I join in at the point where it's ready to stage where it's the version that the audience are going to see um, I come and see a performance I generally record it for myself so I've got a, a memory of, of the things that are happening and then I take about two weeks to write and prepare everything that I want to say. And that includes um, a set of introductory notes, so I, which is a, a longer piece of descriptive prose that explains the theme, the set, the costumes, the actors, those kind of things. And I read that eventually at the beginning of the play and then the script. So it takes me about two weeks of, of writing and research, watching my recording of the play, reflecting on my own memories of the live performance, possibly interrogating UMAP with a mm-hmm. few questions of bits that I missed, thinking about it, doing a bit more finding out about stuff online and preparing the notes and the script takes about two weeks. And then on the day of the performance, I turn up actually the night before and I bring the various pieces of equipment that I need, which is quite simple and I have a little run through. I practice reading the notes, which takes about 15 minutes in advance of the show. And then I practice the script to make sure that everything I've written that I want to say still fits into the performance. Um, And there are occasions where it might not because often in the two weeks run of the show, it's tightened up a bit and the actors have got into their groove a bit more and some of the gaps have closed up. So I have to do quite a bit of editing then overnight, having done my practice, and then the day of the performance comes with my edited script, and I deliver the notes in advance of the show, and then the script during the live performance with audience members sitting among the rest of the audience with their little
0: headsets on. And you said that, I think you said to me before, to read, to, to, for you to write, uh, how long is it? So to write one, 10, ten minutes of description takes, how long? What, <laughs> yes. What's that?
1: Five minutes of screen time is about an, an hour of writing, roughly, wow. um, or, an, or an, an hour of prep and thinking. That's including the note writing time that I'm going to do. But the equivalency is that about um, you know an hour of show, which is usually what half a play is, is roughly an hour, is going to take me 12 hours of actual writing time spread over several days wow. to... To get my script and my notes prepared and to the and fine tuned to the point where they do the job I want them to do.
0: That's incredible. That's incredible. And of course, no one would know that. But um, I think no, that's,
1: it's an invisible thing.
0: <laughs> very, very interesting. Um, so, uh, tell us who, so who else have you been? Obviously, we said you described you know twenty shows for us now, and you've uh, been mm-hmm. with, you know ten years. Um, what? What? Who else do you describe for? Where else have you described? What are the bits and bobs?
1: yeah all sorts of places um my main uh description is for the oxford playhouse in fact and they are the theater that i was trained for to be providing audio description for theaters in and around oxford when i was very first trained and i continue to describe for them to this day um and uh i do between sort of eight and ten shows a year for the Oxford Playhouse and so I know how they work very well the systems are a little bit different there because it's an indoor theatre of course and they are a receiving house so they are getting touring productions come in um, and it works a little bit differently because probably I will have to go and see any production that I'm going to describe somewhere else before it arrives at the Oxford Playhouse on tour, Um, but then everything else works in the same way. I do a little practice and then I do a performance. Um, So a lot of my work is at the Oxford Playhouse. I also work as a, a freelance describer for vocalize who are the people that trained me in the first place and they are a sort of central thing that any theater or production company that wants to audio describe something can apply to and say I'd like an audio describer to come and work on this production with me have you got anybody and then vocalize will send some of us out to go and do that and so on their behalf I've described everywhere from you know big west end musicals and shows like that to um, other touring productions that are going around the country and that I go around the country with them it's taken me as far as Darlington and Newcastle and Edinburgh and to Brighton and Exeter and it takes me all over the country and one of the lovely things about it is I get to see so many theatres the inside and the the back areas of so many different theatres and they're all so different and um it that's a really interesting thing for me i enjoy the diversity that i get involved with
0: and you've done you recently did uh, uh, shakespeare's globe you did winter's tale there mm-hmm. and you've also done some opera
1: i have i have um done cosi vantuti for english touring opera um so not based at a a single theater that particular company but taking it on tour um and that's fascinating I have yes I've described at the globe um and which is a fascinating experience as you can imagine because again it's a very different setup to a conventional theater it's not a conventional theater but it's not an outside space that such as the kind of places that gsc performs so it's somewhere in the middle of those things um absolutely fascinating to describe that so
0: saying that from that point of view then we should just you know touch base on you know we you know you've described in some many varied spaces for us um -hmm. you know holy trinity church the castle gardens um um the spiegel tent um where else have you been uh the railway centre. Oh yes, yes last summer. Yeah. the model yeah. railway. Um, uh, the uh, the law college. The law college a couple uh, of times. Yeah. yeah. So I mean what's the for you as the audio describer element? I mean is 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 there a is 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 it very different to working in these theatres that you've just described? Um It is. It is
1: really quite different. Um, in a in a standard theatre, I would be probably locked away in a cupboard somewhere, uh, you know, in the attic or under the stage, or sometimes literally in a cupboard with a bunch of li- old lights that they're not using anymore. And uh, I have a monitor and headphones that provide me with a vision of the stage and the um, live audio uh, audio feed of of the show and i speak into a microphone and i have no sense of the audience anywhere near me i'm just you know in my own little bubble speaking into the ether the audience are still in the auditorium listening to me and getting all the same information but i'm not i'm not so aware of them with an outdoor show with GSC, I am I am in the same space that the audience are in, so that gives us a few logistical problems because we have to try and position me um, in a in a space where I can see the stage and hear the actors, but where the audience will not be able to hear me because I am going to speak at irregular intervals throughout the entire production, and that could be quite an interference for the audience if they could hear me doing that it's going to distract them from concentrating on the lovely show in front of them so we had trying to find a spot where I can be that meets all those requirements can be quite physically challenging
0: plus also it's, it's always helpful for you to remember or where where the where you're going to be is also helpful for where the audience the 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 patrons are going to be so that you're describing from the same viewpoint or angle um as as they are sat um to ease that sort of transition of description of stage left stage right Mm. uh and 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 stuff for you sorry i interrupted you
1: no absolutely that that that's i mean i can overcome that for you know, for example, in normal theatres if I am locked in a cupboard, then my perspective of, of left and right is entirely different to my mm. audiences. But it does make things easier if I'm looking at what they are looking at from the same angle. Particularly when Guildford Shakespeare Company decide to get very creative and put things on twenty different stages oh, at
0: yes, new production. Yes. Yeah, um,
1: and that in, in and of itself is an enormous challenge because uh I, i'm going to use measure for measure as an example mm-hmm. here because that's the one with most stages that, that i've ever attempted to describe for you um when 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 the action is going to shift from one stage to another the sighted audience have a little clue because they can see the actors moving towards a different stage even though those actors aren't speaking or you know um Delivering a scene yet, but they are still in character and they are moving with purpose and going where they need to go. And the unsighted audience have less information about that unless they happen to be sitting in the pathway and the actor is coming past them. So I have to develop systems for explaining which stage we're going to next so they know which way they've got to turn and try and find. That where the action's about to shift to so that can be an enormously complex thing that I only really encounter with GSC actually
0: thanks very much. Well, well I would hate hate for it to be uh you know easy for you keeping me on my e- toes equally yeah. I you know there are many I have many I shouldn't say happy memories but um uh of you know sort of you under a bush um you know getting rained on uh watching you know trying to watch a show from <laughs> All sorts of little vantage points and, uh, you know, under a cagoule, um describing things
1: and also i've got a ton of electrical equipment with me on the day so when i if it's just me watching it with a notebook i'll get a soggy notebook but on the day i am linked by headphones and microphones to various bits of electrical equipment and sound desks that i'm trying to protect with cages and things like well, we that but we should we should
0: add that everything is perfectly safe and we are it very is, very careful
1: it is, absolutely <laughs> but,
0: <laughs> but it's thank just
1: goodness for beth and her team i indeed say. and
0: it's just <laughs> the image of you of 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 you sort of in your little peaked cagoule um so i mean i mean that's maybe a nice segue to do you have some particular fond memories or 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 entertaining memories or or (laughs) of absolutely the
1: the rain one for starters where there was one year which show was that
0: i want to say that it was in was it? It could have been our first year. Was it twenty twelve? Where you were with us no, for the Merry Wives in the Castle Garden? We- no?
1: It was. It was at the law courts with the black and white.
0: Oh, floor. Uh, the the second taming of the shrew we did, or the yes, I think it was the. Hmm.
1: It wasn't because, because I didn't. Merchant of Venice, describe the maybe maybe Merchant of Venice, but it had a black and white floor, yeah, and um, that was lino, yeah, and so often you know the grass is the floor so there isn't so much of an issue but because it was a lino the fact that it was raining made everything a million percent more difficult for the poor actors who were slipping all over the shop but it absolutely drowned us that year and on the day of description and just the the of trying to get everything waterproof and still plough on was was hilarious (laughs) in hindsight, but at the time was quite stressful. But it is a very fond memory now to look back on it. Um, But there there have been a million lovely shows to describe. Some of my favourites, I really enjoyed Love's Labour's Lost in 2018. That was a a big favourite for me, partly because it's a play I was less familiar with, Um, you know, I have described many Midsummer Night's Dreams. I have not just ever described Love's Labour's Lost. And so that was... Delightful, just for the novelty of it, but also because it was such a lovely play, and uh, the characters and the costumes were so lovely to describe in terms of how they, how the setting worked and how the visuals of it all worked, with the beautiful trees behind
0: Mm. everybody.
1: And um, I very much enjoyed uh, Don Adriano, (laughs) 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 Um, and your your lovely little matador costume. to share, Matt, that we haven't mentioned yet is that you, Matt Pinches, are in fact the person I have described most on the face of the planet. Are you not?
0: (laughs) I think you are. I think I am. I think you're right. You are.
1: Um, Having described 20 GSC shows where you often play more than one character. And two panties. I, and, and and the two Pantos outside, yeah. I may have described you 40 or 50 times, I think, or in 40 or 50 different roles, shall we say. My goodness. Um, and that's an interesting experience <laughs> in and of itself, to find new ways of expressing the visuals of Matt
0: Hitchens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting, you, you know, saying that, actually. What's one one of the things that and, um, a lot of the casts enjoy doing is when you do have a spare headset, that... Uh, the audio described performance that isn 't being used, and um, the actors will you know have a listen to your description or how they 're describing you, and they are fascinated by it's the it, it, it like you say you've only got a short amount of time so you're going to pick up on one particular trait which is important to denote that character's voice or or their absolutely. um a particular facial feature or a costume yeah. or whether they have a kind face a round face um you know the cut of their beard is different or whatever it might be but actually yeah. absolutely it, because it's um it's a it's you no know, it's a it's a something that we don't you know you don't hear about it in everyday no. part because you because we, we don't require the service, but um, it, it, that, that's fascinating um, and, you know, and i'm compliment. describing
1: the the character not the actor yeah and obviously there are elements of the actor's appearance that are in part of the character's yeah. appearance as well, but uh, you know having described you in forty or fifty different roles as I was saying, you know there are different aspects of your physical appearance that become important depending on the nature of the role that you're sure. playing you know and the same is true of, of any actor whether they are and, and also whether you are appear to be tall or small or not is relevant to the other people around you it could be that you are the tallest person on stage mm. for this particular po- performance in which case I will describe you as mm. tall um, for, yeah. in terms of this character but in another production you might be the smallest person on stage and so I would describe you as short in terms of that Production yeah. and it, and the, the way I describe any given individual can change completely depending on the character production and the rest of the company.
0: Um, but, it's but fascinating. Before we go, we should I should yeah. just ask you actually about. Um, about you know your your patrons, the people that you get to describe for, mm-hmm. and you get to yeah. have a little chat with them beforehand, and if there's a touch tour, you get to see them and meet them and see them afterwards what's the sort of um are you able just to very very briefly sort of what's what's their reaction to it i mean what do they it may sound a bit <laughs> obvious question to say what do they get out of it but um what what's the sort of feedback that you get from meeting um, the people that you're 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 describing for
1: yeah um GSC once again gives me a, a very different experience than I get in quite a lot of other theatres where I do description because uh, we have a very loyal uh, visually impaired audience who come to every show that we audio describe and so it, it, uh, it is unusual in as much as I get to have a repeated conversation with those lovely individuals. and we have come to know each other over many productions and several years. And and so we are more relaxed with each other and they perhaps feel able to discuss those kind of things with me. And they'll tell me what they like about what I've done and what they don't like and whether it was too much information or not enough information and that kind of thing. Um, And one of our regular uh, visitors, Catherine, um, one year just put it very succinctly, I think, and she just said, thank you for your words, And that was a lovely thing for me and made me feel very important in a lovely way because without the language, without the the thought and and the script that I write, for those individuals, so much of the experience would be lost and so much of the experience would go past them, they would understand the plot perhaps but they wouldn't get all those subtleties and the beautiful things that the directors and the designers have put in the little subtleties and so I hope that my words enable them to enjoy those aspects of the performance as much as everybody else does and that is a wonderful thing and it's why I love doing it.
0: Well and that sounds like the perfect way to wrap up Uh, a lovely conversation so uh again thank you for your words today and uh thank you for your time this afternoon uh, this afternoon and um we will see you very soon again on our next show whenever that might be uh audio describing something um thank you so much Kerry thanks Matt and we'll see you again soon see you soon bye